This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. I just want to remind you that our Fight Back voicemail is available anytime, 416-367-9636, You can also drop us a line at fightback at zoomer.ca. That's our email address, fightback at zoomer.ca. And follow us on Twitter at fightbacklibby. Do you have a homeless shelter in your neighborhood? Are you in the Young and Eglinton area, specifically where three buildings are being used to house the homeless during COVID-19? What have you noticed? What are your concerns? We want to hear from you. 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Joining us to discuss this developing issue, Ward 8, Eglinton Lawrence City Councilor Mike Cole. Mike, thanks for being with us here on Fight Back. Yeah, good to be on, uh, uh, Jane. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. Give us the backdrop to what's gone on in your neighborhood. Well, you know, as a result of uh, the uh, COVID-19 emergency, the city, Toronto, was scrambling to house uh, a lot of homeless people that were camping out and uh, were without permanent shelter. So what the city uh, undertook uh, to do is to uh, rent or... uh, uh, lease space in uh, various uh, abandoned uh, hotels and empty hotels throughout the city and anywhere else uh, where they could find shelter for them. So they did an amazing job of housing all these people in very quick order all across the city of Toronto. But then one of the places they, uh, or two of the main places they chose, uh, Young and Eglinton was one on Broadway uh, and the other one is on Roehampton, uh, Mount Pleasant, Eglinton. So they uh, took over an old abandoned Hampton Hotel and uh, turned that into a shelter uh, starting back in uh, April of this year. And you say you were never notified that these shelters were going in or very little information was given to city residents, let alone uh, any consultations. Right. Uh, that uh, uh, This uh, authority, uh, because of... Uh, a COVID-19 emergency and because of city policies uh, that the uh, decisions of uh, where these are located are delegated to staff and uh, therefore uh, certainly maybe the local council because I'm right on the uh, line on the east side of uh, Young Street are councillors Robinson and Matlow and then I'm on the west side uh, but uh, so I think uh, Councillor Robinson and I certainly uh, were never given any uh, information about these going in or consulted on it, uh, about the details. And so then then that's when we started to get all kinds of uh, emails, calls, uh, frantic uh, uh, calls for help from uh, residents who saw, you know, needles in uh, parks and laneways uh, and schoolyards. They saw break-ins in... uh, clothing shops, restaurants, uh, 
uh, all up and down uh, Young Street, uh, even a restaurant that had been operating for oh, 50 years without any incident was uh, totally vandalized right on Mount Pleasant, the old Homeway restaurant. So th- these were the type of things that were happening on a regular basis, uh, which were quite unusual for, for that area, which is uh, you know, generally a you know, pretty uh, uh, calm area in terms of uh, this type of activity. So there was a real spike in calls, uh, people asking for help, information, and uh, so there's been a scramble to try and find out what's going on and why there's so many uh, of these cases of, uh, uh, you know, vandalism, uh, drug dealing, uh, all happening uh, when these homeless shelters went in. Mike, is that typical of what happens in a neighborhood where there is a homeless shelter? We have one here just down the street from us uh, at the Zoomerplex in Liberty Village, which is primarily uh, a working area for 20-somethings, 30-somethings, although here at the Zoomerplex we're multi-generational, of course. But it's not really a residential area like oh, the, the problem that you're experiencing. No, this is quite uh, atypical. It's quite unusual. You know, there are some things that occur, and uh, usually uh, the appropriate authorities and the community uh, staff workers take care of them. Uh, but th- I've never seen anything escalate like this as a result of uh, these uh, shelters that went in Young and Eggleton. And this is quite uh, unusual. Uh, and uh, just the severity of the uh, incidents, uh, there just weren't, uh, you know, people littering and that kind of stuff. Again, uh, literally uh, people breaking into a child care center, uh, people, you know, uh, repeatedly uh, trying to... Uh, uh, harass uh, people on the street, etc., and calls for help about needles. What do we do about needles? And so I, I just think it sort of was a combination of it happening so quickly and then the number of people that went in. And then on top of that, it seemed to attract all these drug dealers and drug pushers who all of a sudden came into the area and took advantage of the homeless people trying to, them, uh, you know, uh, crystal meth and uh, heroin, and so uh, they c- came into the area. They thought that they could make uh, big money by, uh, you know, feeding the uh, the drug habits of some of the residents. So this is uh, what happened in a very unusual way. I do want to hear from you if you live in the Young and Eglinton area, if you have noticed uh, the kinds of complaints that Councillor Mike Cole is telling us about, what you and your neighbours are saying. Uh, Our lines are open for this discussion, and your firsthand observations are always appreciated. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. By contrast, you may live in another area of the city where there is a homeless shelter nearby, and we'd like to hear your experiences as well. Um, Mike, I'm understanding... So the Roehampton at 808 Mount Pleasant, the city has a two-year lease with an option for a third year, but the site at 5565 Broadway Avenue is closing at the end of the month. Will that relieve some of the issues? Yeah, I think it will help because we've had, uh, you know, a lot of uh, issues with the Broadway site with uh, overdoses and uh you know, just the added numbers, so that should uh, help. Uh, again, it's just uh, been such a mad rush to try and help people. And, you know, the people in the area, 
they're very decent uh, people who want to reach out and be supportive of uh, homeless people in every way. But it's been the uh, criminal activity that uh, spiked in uh, recent months uh, that people are, you know, crying out for help on. They're saying the homeless people, uh, you know, are not the real problem. The problem is that the people that have tried to take advantage of them with this uh, massive uh, influx of drug dealers, it seems, that uh, find it as an opportune area all of a sudden to... uh, you know, uh, make a profit at the expense of the homeless people and the expense of the community. Well, that's interesting. So it's not so much the homeless people that are causing the issues. It's the symptoms of having a homeless shelter or multiple homeless shelter in the same area. Yeah, and not letting the uh, counselors uh, know and not uh, passing on yes. information about who's in the shelters. You know, there's a lot of confusion about who the residents are and, uh, uh, are these people, uh, you know, there's been uh, many uh, reports of people that are in the shelters that are uh, out uh, as a result of the uh, efforts of the province uh, to let people out uh, of uh, the uh, uh, incarceration system or, uh, you know, bail systems, whatever it is, that they may populate something. And we really don't have any answers to that. We can't get a straight answer in terms of who are the residents and uh, what are their issues. And uh, so they, we can get them some help uh, and also, uh, again, ensure that the public, uh, because, you know, there's uh, daycare just next door to the uh, Roehampton site. Uh, there's the uh, Northern Secondary School there, Eglinton School, uh, seniors' uh, residents across the street. So there's a lot of sensitivity uh, because, uh, you know, when you have schools and uh, seniors and that, and it's not that we can't handle that, but we need the the information up front so we can put in the resources to uh, provide for help for those that are uh, in need, the, the, the homeless residents, but also let the community know uh, up front uh, what we can do and uh, to uh, you know sustain this uh, and and again it has been very difficult because of the uh, rush to do this and uh, mm-hmm. you can see the urgency for it and staff at the city was really has done a phenomenal job and well and I and I do want to people across the city and I, it seems that it's really impacted uh, you know I, for the first time in my life uh, you know my political life I've seen that the local business association the uptown young business association has had to hire a private security firm to protect the workers in the stores and restaurants because they're afraid to go to work uh, because they get uh, hassled and uh, uh, inside the stores, outside the stores. And uh, so they've had to hire a private security for- firm that uh, above the police because the police uh, said they uh, couldn't handle it all. And yeah. uh, so... Uh, they had to go to this extent. So that's another very unusual thing that I said I've never seen happen. We will be speaking with Brad Ross from the city to get the city's point of view uh, about the complaints from the neighborhood and what's being done to help resolve them. Let's go to Scarlett, who's calling us from Queen West in Toronto. Hi, thanks for calling Fight Back. Oh, hi, Libby. I like the contents of your uh, show today. I think it should be discussed more regularly. Um, I live near Augusta Street where a shelter opened several years ago. It was a complete nightmare. Um, Neighbors were being harassed. Children were being scared. People were being followed into their homes. Uh, There was litter everywhere, yelling and screaming all night long. 
and the shelter itself and all the people working there thought it was perfectly fine and encouraged the activity. Um, and also there's a shooting gallery nearby over on Bathurst Street, tax-funded, by the way, your tax dollars paying for it, and a couple other, yeah, another... Uh, Anyways, um, Joe Cressy, the counselor, his idea was uh, to crowd a lot of these facilities in the Queen West area because his uh, ideology says, well, to help the, the filthy criminals is more important than uh, helping law-abiding citizens. And it, we were always asking about a uh, safe neighborhood. They want safe injection sites and safe um, situations for the vicious criminals but law-abiding, tax-paying, decent citizens are somewhere down the list. We get your point, Scarlett. Thank you for calling. Uh, It's Jane for Libby today. I appreciate you calling in. Mike Cole, uh, before we take a quick break, your reaction to that sort of attitude when you hear city property taxpayers making those kinds of complaints, it makes you feel like the city has not handled the homeless situation very well. Mike, you're still there? Yeah, yeah, sure. No, what it is, too, is uh, it's the fact is that when uh, this uh, kind of thing happens, the normal reaction for people is to call and say, what's going on, and can we uh, please deal with it? And they call the police, they call the city. But then what happens is that the people that express legitimate concerns uh, are told that they're anti-homeless, anti-shelter. Well, that's not the case. It's just very reasonable outcry from people saying, hey, listen, can I get uh, this dealt with? Uh, you know, I've just had, my, you know, my house broken into, my store broken into. I need some help. So they call the police, they call the city, and then uh, they then vilify for calling out for help. So people are yelling and screaming at the uh, people in the shelter, uh, and, you know, some of them may be uh, responsible for some of the criminal activity, but not all of them. And then the same with, so they get, uh, you know, attacked as being uh, no good, uh, and which isn't the case. And then the, uh, the longtime residents or shopkeepers, they get yelled at. And then the shopkeepers in Eglinton have just gone through this COVID hell yeah. where they've lost uh, their life savings. And then on top of that, then this thing comes on where their businesses are being broken into and, uh, and uh, their uh, customers and, uh, Staff are being uh, threatened. Yeah, and I get to it. Come to work. So this is uh, sort of compounds the whole thing. All right, Mike Cole. Thank you so much for bringing perspective and your viewpoint for your residents there in Ward Eight to our attention on Fight Back. Thanks for your time. Thank you, Jane. Let's bring in Brad Ross, Toronto's Chief Communications Officer. Brad, uh, welcome to Fight Back. Thank you, Jane. So what's gone on there at Young and Eglinton uh, with the Roehampton Hotel and these buildings on Broadway Avenue and uh, all the negative repercussions? Well, just a, a bit of background. Um, when uh, COVID-19 and the pandemic struck, uh, the city needed to uh, expand the, the number of shelter facilities uh, it currently has because uh, it needed to to uh, increase physical distancing so uh, with, within the shelter system. So we established uh, an additional 30, uh, more than 30 uh, spaces across the city to, to accommodate that physical distancing. And that included things like community centers, for example, which have since now reopened to the public, so they had to close. 
Um, we also saw a number of people uh, living in encampments across the city, uh, and and so the, the the apartments on Broadway, for example, uh, became available temporarily, and they will close at the end of this month. To be clear, uh, to to actually house people uh, and and provide what we call transitional housing. So we have now housed more than 15 people from that site and we'll continue to, to work on that. So we needed to put, uh, we needed to find places for, for people to go so that they could be safe. And then uh, the Roehampton uh, property became available and so the city has leased it for, uh, for the next two years with an option for three. And again, it's to ensure that we can um, you know, maintain that physical distancing uh, and provide support to people who, who are homeless to, to help them find actual permanent housing uh, and other, uh, whether physical or mental supports and uh, and counseling and the like. So, um, and, and under normal circumstances, Jane, uh, we would advise the, the community of, of programming that was, that was going to be occurring uh, at a particular shelter. Um, city staff have the uh, what is called delegated authority, and all that simply means is that council has given staff authority to establish a shelter in any community where it's needed. Uh, and there are shelters across the city, not just uh, uh, in the downtown, for example, but everywhere. And um, and and, it, and staff determined that this site was necessary, and uh, and and entered into an agreement with them. Um, and what COVID-19 did, though, is it, it really did prevent us from being able to do that, that public information and education that we would normally do with a community before the shelter actually opens. So what would you say to the people in the Young and Eglinton area? And obviously, you've, you've reassured by saying two of the buildings are closing down on Broadway. Uh, mm-hmm. But with regards to the Roehampton Hotel and Councillor Cole's point was that it's not so much the homeless people that are causing issues. It's the drug dealers that are coming. Coming mm-hmm. into the neighborhoods that are that are causing yeah. problems uh, for the people who live in the area and concerns around children's safety and all of that. Sure, totally, totally get that. And um, and, and so you know the, the the drug issue is is one of course that, that isn't unique to to any specific site, uh, shelter or otherwise. Uh, unfortunately, uh, uh, you know. Uh, Drug dealing that occurs across the city, um, but what we what we have uh, done and what we are establishing is uh, a community liaison uh, committee, for example, uh, working with the, the folks who are staying in the shelter to to remind them and of of the good neighbor policy that we have, and that if they don't adhere to it, then uh, then then they won't be able to stay at this particular shelter. Um, having programming there uh, that that would working with the intercity health agency, for example, to assist people who have addictions uh, and other medical needs um, to to deal with those. Uh, we have a you know a, a community. Um, uh, community group, uh, part of the part of the um, uh, of, of the shelter is a uh, a group of uh, of individuals who work for the city who uh, p- patrol the neighborhood and uh, you know pick up discarded needles, for example. And uh, so, working with the, uh, the the school boards and the trustees to establish a return to school plan to ensure that that safety and security is is top of mind. So, uh, so. You know, once a, a shelter is established in a community, it, it, over time, what we find uh, historically is that the, the, the people who live there and the people in the neighborhood and the community really do 
become integrated and and they become neighbors and and we see a lot of great uh, goodwill and outreach that starts to occur in, in the community so this is new uh, unfortunately we're unable to do the kinds of public information that that we would have normally done uh, so we absolutely understand the um, uh, the concern that that the community has uh, around uh, not just the shelter but as you noted the the criminal activity that may occur and so working with the police and having Increased police patrols is also very, very important in all of this. Brad, I only have about a minute, minute and a half left. In terms of COVID-19, what you set out to do, let's end on a positive note, that has worked out, hasn't it? We've had very few COVID-19 cases in Toronto's shelter system. Yeah, I mean, we have had some, Let's to be clear, um, but, uh, but, but we did everything we could because you know, this is a population that is incredibly vulnerable, uh, and living outside uh, in an encampment with uh, in close quarters without uh, proper sanitation, ability to wash your hands appropriately, for example, was a tremendous risk. And so, so the city did did everything within its power uh, to 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 create additional space so that we could protect uh, our most vulnerable, which which does have a knock-on effect across the entire community. So, so yes, reducing uh, transmission of COVID-19 and taking appropriate measures uh, to, to help our most vulnerable, in this case, uh, the homeless population, was uh, was a uh, an objective and a priority for, for the city. And, um, and while we haven't uh, been been perfect, absolutely. Uh, we, uh, I think, staff have done a, uh, if I can say, have done a, a, a commendable job in, in protecting those individuals. Right, and physical distancing is being observed, from what I understand. It, it, it is. It means these are also people's homes too. We have to remember so that when they're living in a shelter or transitional housing with all these supports, it, it is also their home. And so we, we want people to, who are living in shelters or, or in transitional housing to feel like. They're in, they're at home, uh, and so we, where when you're at home, you're able to have that physical distancing. We want to be able to ensure that that occurs as well in our shelter system. Uh, you know, the objective, the objective of, uh, of of homelessness isn't more shelters; it's housing. Uh, and, and people who have been living outside for very long periods of time are starting to to get to get housed, to find permanent housing, uh, and and part of the the objective in, in a shelter system is to to help those individuals uh, you know get into a, a home and to be able to uh, you know care for themselves and do all those things that, uh, right. that that most of us take for granted. We'll leave it there, Brad Ross. Thank you for your time. Jane, thank you. Brad Ross is Toronto's Chief Communications Officer. Jane, for Libby, I'm back tomorrow for Free For All Friday. Get ready to call in. In the meantime, have a great day. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.